The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Don't miss this special time where Sheila Walsh takes your questions about ministry, missions, and personal struggles to James and Betty. And the other thing people have been asking me a lot is, how do I know I'm hearing God's voice? You know, I want to hear God's voice. How do I know it's God and it's not just the pizza I had last night? <laughs> well, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let's just really try to help you understand this. Next on Life Today. Welcome you to life today. I'm James Robinson Betty, and I welcome you. And Sheila Walsh has been with our ministry team now for three years and a part of Life Outreach and Life Today. And it's a tremendous blessing. She has been asking us questions. And I'm thrilled to say, although she's directed them primarily at me, Betty has actually, in my opinion, answered far better than anything I have ever said in my life. And I'm so grateful and I want to thank you. But uh, let's just turn it to Sheila and let you continue on, Sheila. Well, I think I would just say that you're a great team. <laughs> thank you. You know, you share some James and then you unpack it even more, Betty, and it's beautiful. But um, I have the privilege, along with some of our senior staff, that we get to meet with you, you know, once a week, and we'll talk about what we feel God has for the ministry. But one of the things I've heard you say over and over, James, is that God hasn't left us here just waiting to get rescued. I hear a lot of people saying, I wish the Lord would just return. But you, you address that in a really powerful way, and I wonder if you would share that with our viewers. Well, I, I preached it at Liberty uh, University last year, and Jerry Falwell said that's the message the whole world needs to hear. So I delivered a little piece of the next day, 50,000 in the stadium. I only had 11 or 12,000 that night, and then, of course, online. But, but I made the statement that, that, that Jesus didn't leave us here to get us out of here. That's not the reason he left us here. If you remember, the disciples were still discussing when he was about to ascend into heaven. Well, no, you're going to set up the kingdom now. From the time Jesus got here, they kept wanting him to set up some kind of a rule according to their idea, what, what they understood to be. They were actually saying, come in and set up the final kingdom right now, the one that's going to come, you know, where there'll be no more issues, and no question that, that everything's in order. And Jesus said, it's not for anyone to know the times or seasons. Don't get caught up in that. Be my witnesses. And basically, he sent the Holy Spirit to come on them so that the, the person that had been talking to them is now in the person of the Holy Spirit living in them so that this one they traveled with and he would be with them and then he would disappear up on the mountain and come back. He's now with them all the time, guiding them to all truth, giving them all the insight and direction as well as the fullness of his power flowing through them as individual believers and then making it clear in his prayers and his instruction that if they would be a family in love with the perfect father that he loved and he wanted us to have a relationship with that father and then he wanted us to behave like the family of the perfect father, which meant that we actually love one another the way he wants us to love one another and we flow as family and body with all members together and then if we would do that we would reveal him in all of his glory and his glory in us before he comes in glory for us the manifestation of his presence on us so he left us here to reveal him to a world in darkness and the gods of this world blinded the eyes of the unbelieving but God will open the eyes of the unbelieving let them behold his glory in the believer people come to Christ when they see Jesus in someone. I have said many times, if you ever meet anyone in whose life Jesus is so real, 
so real and they love him so much, not spooky religious, but love Jesus in relationship. It is an unforgettable experience. Oftentimes it's a life changing experience. So I just think we're here on a divine assignment. I'm going to heaven. I mean, heaven is a part of my eternal reality of who I am in Christ and Christ in me. But Betty, I can live right now with an awareness of heaven in me here before I go to be in heaven. You know, I, how can we expect people to be excited about heaven and knowing Jesus if they don't seem see some of heaven demonstrated here on yeah. earth? And I think that's our purpose is for us to be a light. We're the vessels of God to go out and to demonstrate what just a little taste. And it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be awesome. There's nothing so compelling as someone who's in love. Someone who's in love can't talk stop talking about that person. And I think if we as God's sons and daughters are so in love with him, people are going to want to know, what, what is it with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think I answered that question as it was asked? Do you think it, that perhaps people would grasp what I'm trying to communicate? Was that clear enough to see why we should be excited about being left here to be his witnesses? Oh, absolutely. And I think when you understand that we're on mission 24-7, not Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but that we have the opportunity to see people with the eyes of Christ in the grocery store, in the parking lot, wherever we go, it's like, Lord, talk to me about this person. How could I love this person? How could I help this person? And don't you think sometimes it's good for us to go back and remember that moment mm -hmm. when Jesus came into our hearts? Yeah. What was the first thing we wanted to do? Tell everybody. Yeah because it made such a difference. I think we ought to live like that because he's in our hearts and we should want to tell everyone and demonstrate it through his love. Too many people have become a part of a religious group and never had that relationship you just talked about. They've never been born from above. They just sort of got signed up or joined up or became one of the bunch without really being born into the family of God. Sheila, one of the things that I think really is important in understanding this kingdom life now, living for kingdom purpose, Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Abundant life. I'm come that you might have that life. And then Jesus said, if you want to know that life, if you want to have life, now this is from his point of view. This is abundant life. This is, this is kingdom reality, if you please. He said, if you want to find life, you want this life that I came to give you, lose your life in my purpose. What purpose? His kingdom purpose. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because, preceding phrase in the model prayer, thy kingdom come. He says it has come. It's at hand. It's in you. Not of this world, but in you. Okay, if that kingdom is here and you receive it, you lose your life for that purpose, you find it. If you hold on to your life and you try to keep it for your own purpose or some other purposes or some other person or some entity, even some sectarian belief system, if you lose it there, you're never going to find it. You're going to lose life completely. You're going to miss it totally. But if you lose it, you find it. I think that's pretty simple. And the fact is, I found it. I got so much heaven here. I got a daughter in heaven. Many of my friends, when you're 75 years old, you preach the funeral and go to the funerals of a lot of your friends. They're in heaven. They're happy. They're looking out at me and they're saying, tell them, James, don't let anybody miss this. It's great. Tell them they can enjoy so much of heaven where they are. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you that because it's what Jesus said. I love that. Now, you just said you celebrated recently a fairly significant birthday. So I want you to imagine that you could talk to yourself, your 21-year-old self. What have you learned now as a leader that you would have told that 21-year-old man? When God commissions us, gives us vision, tells us what to do, we need to recognize that on the heels of that 
divine call, that heavenly spiritual vision, and that supernatural gifting, on the heels of that understanding comes the spirit of the world to now program you on how to do it. How are you going to carry out the will of God according to the ways of the systems of the world? In other words, you're going to have the wrong measuring stick. You're going to measure it by how big, how much better, how much more people, how much of this, how much of that, who your friends are, who you're seen with, what circles you move in. See, that's the world standard. That's how you know. That's not God's standard. From the moment God called me to preach, the enemy, using whatever vessel he could, started trying to program me. People saw I had a gift, so they said, well, you're going to be the next Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham even said that. You're going to follow me. Wait a minute. God didn't have another Billy Graham. God has a James Robinson and a Franklin Graham and a Robert Morris and all the, and Joseph Prince and whoever else. He's got them. They're not trying to be somebody else. So immediately well-meaning people could have programmed. I began to measure myself, but I didn't measure up what Billy Graham's doing. See, that's not a good measure. The enemy will always try to program the gifts of God according to the ways of the world. So I would say to a young person, You're not going to be known by who you hang out with, but whether you live in the presence of God, so that wherever you are, you make a God impact, a kingdom impact on all the people around you. And you look for Jesus in others. And you you try to, 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 let's say, draw the wisdom that you see downloaded on others so that you can gain greater spiritual insight by observing not particularly their gift, but the one who's giving them the gift for his kingdom purpose. And you rejoice in it. One of the most important things for people to learn is to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't envy anybody. Don't covet anybody. Weep and care about people wherever they are and whatever's happening, rejoice with them. Learn to live that way. That's the way Jesus lived. I believe he lives that way today. I believe as he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, I believe he weeps with you. I believe he rejoices with you. I believe he's continually inviting you into his presence so that you will be observing the answers to his prayer. You will see your prayers answered and the prayers of others answered. The more you realize we are here on a divine assignment for kingdom purpose and to give him glory. And when you commit to that, you got a whole lot of heaven going on in your life right here, right now. And it's all for his glory. That's beautiful. A lot of people have written um, and asked a question that they'd like you to answer. And that is people in very difficult situations want to know how can I forgive? Like a husband who's walked out on his wife and she's stuck there wondering how she's going to survive. Why is forgiveness so important? Well, let me just say this. I can't not forgive. No matter what the hurt. And I've been hurt a lot. You know, when we were set free, uh, it really disturbed a lot of my sectarian religious denominational friends. They didn't want me being stretched to the Pentecostals and Charismatics, and of all things to speak to Catholics to. Oh, my goodness. God told me he was sending me to the whole church in the whole world to see the church made whole. I became a name spoken against. You know, James had lost his mind. He's gone off the deep end. Well, somebody's deceived him. Well, he doesn't know what he's doing. And there were hurtful things. Even my wife and another friend's wife at the church we were told by one of the major teachers there, You're just deceived because Betty suddenly received a prayer language and we later found out she was actually praying and like with praise Hebrew. 
In other words, it was not only a prayer language, she was actually experiencing a little bit more of what actually happened right there at Pentecost. It was the dialect and everything. It was amazing. And the first time I, I said, I want you to, to do this for me. I'm, you say you got this gift, show me. Well, I can't just, I'm not going to just play with it and turn it on. <laughs> I said, no, show me. I want, I want to hear it. We're driving to our son's basketball <laughs> game in his Christian school. And she starts praying in the spirit. And I'm trembling because it was as though a heavenly host filled our car. And it wasn't like I didn't believe there was a prayer language or spiritual power like this. It's just that I'm sitting here in the car with it. I'm leaning on her and it was so great. I had to pull the car off the road. And I just sat in the presence of the Lord and I said, thank you. Now, you know, tell me what's sad about this whole thing. Church people are arguing and fighting and splitting over that, mm-hmm. about where you do it, how you do it, when you did it, I'll help you do it, say daddy, 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 say daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, we're trying to get people, to, listen, all the things people do to try to help God. <laughs> it's like Jack Hayford said, it's like a staccato machine gun all of a sudden come out of the church. He said, God's not spooky like that for heaven's sake. <laughs> Give God a chance so to be himself. Well, I decided to let God be himself. And she was told she had demons because God did something for her. And we were, we were really nailed by people. And you know what? <laughs> I couldn't do anything but forgive them. I didn't want to pray some horrible thing down on them or God, you straighten them out or I'll tell them off. I just loved them. I've never stopped loving them. You see, there's a forgiver in me. He lives in me. There's a conqueror in me. He doesn't want to stay down. No matter how many times they get knocked down, he wants to get up. So here's what I say. You ask the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you with the person who forgives. Father, forgive them. You get that grace, and and Sheila, you will forgive. I've got to be honest with you. I can't hold a grudge no matter how unkind people are to me. I don't know why they do things. I don't know why they're unkind to others. I wish they wouldn't. But there is a forgiver in me that extends such grace. Think about it. I know myself, and I know how fully he forgives, mm-hmm. how fully he covers, mm-hmm. how sufficient his grace is. Am I making any sense? Yeah, it's bigger than God, If God forgives us, how can we do less? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, when we were desperate and down to mm-hmm. nothing and, and saying, God, help me, yeah. please forgive me. Yeah. We, we, we receive that. Yeah. Well, we have to be able to do the offer the same forgiveness to other people. If, if any of you are, are stuck, though, in a place where something terrible has happened to you, I would just like to add to what James and Betty said. You know, we want life to be fair. But fair doesn't live here, but Jesus does. And I believe that forgiveness is God's gift to us to live in a world that's not fair. You get to take that thing and leave it at the foot of the cross and rise up as a child of God. You don't have to be burdened by this. Leave, leave the results to God. That's one of the things I've discovered. God is trustworthy. Let me just pray. Let me pray for you right now. Let me, let me just say a prayer for you. Father, I, I made it very clear. This capacity to forgive is not me. It's not some trained habit, some skill. You're in me because I ask you to come in in fullness. And I'm seeking to yield this vessel. So I pray that every person right now who's struggling with hurt and resentment and bitterness, that you would break that yoke. I mean, just shatter it. Just get it off of them. And Lord, fill them with your grace, your forgiveness, your ability to forgive fully, miraculously, supernaturally. Give it to them, Jesus. 
receive it from him. Just say, Lord, I want it. I want that. Sheila? And the other thing people have been asking me a lot is, how do I know I'm hearing God's voice? You know, I want to hear God's voice. How do I know it's God and it's not just the pizza I had last night? <laughs> well, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let's just really try to help you understand this. And you could say, James, why don't you sit here and read the Bible to us all the time? Because I'm speaking the Bible to you. Matter of fact, we could go back in and almost take every few sentences or every paragraph, we could give you a verse or two that basically in conversational manner, I'm saying what those verses say. But just sitting here reading the Bible to you, I'm saying the Bible to you. But what I want you to understand is faith comes by hearing, but hearing does come by the Word of God. So the more you hear someone speaking God's Word, or reading God's Word, or you read God's Word, or you study God's Word, the more your ears are tuned. If you don't know the nature of the individual, what they're actually like, then a voice could tell you it's someone, and you might believe them if you don't know what they're like. No one could call me and talk to me three minutes telling me they were Betty. If they sounded exactly like Betty in three minutes, I'd know it's not Betty because I know her so well. So it's your ability to hear and then to have the ability to have the faith that comes by hearing. See, it's one thing for a man to be able to walk on the water. It's one thing for Peter to see Jesus walking on the water and say, Lord, bid me come. Until he said, come, Peter couldn't walk on the water. But the minute he said, come, Peter had the supernatural power to go. And if it had kept his eyes on him, he would have kept going. But when he went down, remember this, the ride back to the boat was better than to walk out from the boat. He rode back in the arms of Jesus. So the point, though, is if you want to do the supernatural, you need to hear the voice of the supernatural. If you want to hear the voice and recognize it, this is the word that tunes your ears to hear his voice. So you get to know the nature of God, and then the sounds in the invisible realm are much easier to identify because the enemy will sound like an angel of light. He will even disguise himself as a minister of righteousness. So you really need to know the truth of God to know the Word of God. And as you've heard me say many times, and you watch it, you'll watch it when we're talking, Sheila, or I'll start praying, and you'll know somebody just got involved in this conversation that you didn't see in the room, but you're hearing them manifest. Am I telling the truth? No, uh, every time we're together. <laughs> and so we just live. See, we just can live this way. Where we're having conversation, Paul said, pray without ceasing. That didn't mean live on your knees, get in a closet and lock yourself up, join a monastery. No, live in constant communication with God as though he's riding in the car with you. He is, in fact, and you can live this way. Father, I pray for this miracle to occur for all of our viewers in Jesus' name. Sheila, thank you for for doing this. Will you do this some more if our viewers tell us, hey, we like that. Let's ask James some more questions. Here, I got some. I'm almost I love asking. it. I've got more questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll pray for the answers of the miracle. The beautiful thing is I think Betty's actually answered them better than I have. And I, really, and I really mean that. Here's the deal. We want to be a blessing to you. And I'm, I'm telling you, I believe God's brought us all together for his glory, which means his purpose, which means blessing you. We want to be a blessing to you. So you let us know you like this. You got some questions you wish we'd address? Give us a little time. Let us pray about it because we've got some wonderful people we're bringing to talk to that are going to download. I don't want James and Betty to be the center of anybody's attention. I want the Lord to be. But what I like to do is I like to bring in all these other people who are full of the glory of God so you can receive from many streams. Not one stream, not one person, not one ministry, but many. And then you know what you tell us. 
and you saw the birthday greetings that I had in front of me all this week, beautiful, so many of them, thank you, you really blessed me. You know what, I'm gonna say 85, 90% of them said over and over, thank you for sharing God's love all over the world with the people no one notices. I want you to watch this. Here's a son we prayed into our life. Betty literally birthed this boy in travail, our adopted son. Watch him, father of four beautiful children. Watch him walking with the Spirit of God moving him, and you're going to be moved. You're going to be moved to become a miracle. I'm positive. Watch. For 30 years, viewers of Life Today have been helping save millions of lives from malnutrition and starvation. Though you may never meet them in this life, people like Jose, Jacob, and Matthew are grateful that you chose to make mission feeding possible through your giving. But while there is cause for celebration, there are children we've still been unable to reach. Their tragedies caution us against growing complacent. Angelica was only five years old when they buried her here. They put a marker in the sand with her name and the dates. And if you look at the inscription here, you can see that it won't last that long. It will fade. Malnutrition is robbing children of their future. These children must not be forgotten. I can promise you, God knows them by name. Will you think about those that we can still save? There are so many that are right on that edge of life and death, and we make the difference. Let's not forget them. I'm asking you to do something right now. Support the Mission Feeding Outreach because that's how we stop this cycle of death. Because you really can make a difference. You can give these children hope and a future instead of an unmarked grave. Randy, I want to say, Mom and I both, thank you for being a tremendous blessing as our son, a wonderful husband and father of four incredible children. And thank you for going to the mission field many times and going all over the world with me when oftentimes all you did is carry a camera and try to capture what God was doing. And thank you, son. Thank you for letting us see those children. You know, when I was looking there at, at Randy touching that little child's hand, I can remember so many times over the years, little fingers that were weak would, would clutch my finger. I remember when our children did, when they were babies and our grandchildren, 11 of them and now four great-grandchildren. They just clutch a finger. Those little children are reaching out sometimes. They can barely move. And it just broke my heart to look at that child a while ago where the skin was just like flaking off because of malnutrition. And I see that and I know God wants to cover them. You know what God covers them with? He covers them with love and compassion because that's the only way that their skin can be restored to health and their lives saved. The missionaries are in place. They planted their lives in the midst of that pain and suffering to try to restore them. But the missionaries are totally helpless without our support. They can weep and cry and pray, but they can't feed children unless we provide the food. 
They could never drill water wells unless we make it possible. What we're asking you to do right now in Mission Feeding is to go online or dial that number and it becomes a lifeline, always a prayer line, but now it's a lifeline. And we're asking you to call the number and know that you're reaching out and you're putting loving arms around those children as you put something in those bowls. So here's what we ask you to do. Dial the number, go online, take a bank card. If you write a check to life, make it to life, but call us and tell us you're mailing it. We need to know. But right now, let us know what God is leading you to do. 30, 50, or $100, we feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. $1,000, we can feed 100. We're sending Peter Pretorius' book, Death Defying Faith. It's gonna be, it's gonna have a tremendous positive impact on your life. So please, right now, would you dial the number? Would you just make the gift God put on your heart? If you're mailing it, call us and let us know. We have some other gifts to give to you, to bless you, because we want to be a blessing to you. That's why we come into your home every day. But just know this, you're going to be an eternal blessing to the people you reach out and touch right now with God's love, because we're going to tell them that that love came from our Father in heaven and was expressed through His Son, Jesus. And we're going to love not in word only, but we're going to be loving indeed. Thank you for doing it. Thank you so much for your gift. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great. And without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. Through Life's Mission Feeding Outreach, you can save lives by feeding and caring for children currently suffering in parts of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need your support to replenish food supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Death-Defying Faith, The Extraordinary Life of Miracle Man Peter Pretorius. This autobiography, completed just days before his unexpected death, chronicles the thrill-seeking adventures of missionary Peter Pretorius. You will love reading how God took this ordinary man and performed extraordinary miracles throughout all of Africa. With your gift of $100 or more, request the beautiful Faith and Hope pen set, two beautifully crafted pens featuring the key words of Hebrews 11.1, 1, a key verse for every believer, especially when facing adversity, trials, and challenges. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, I feel like I feel like getting to share. And Sheila, thank you for being such a, a blessing, asking questions that you know people are asking. And hopefully, we've been able to be be a help to our viewers. Uh, you're going to be blessed by this book, and you're going to be blessed when you help carry on this faith and this love that that Peter birthed in all of us. Peter, we love you, buddy. Mm -hmm. We love you. Thank you for loving others. Thanks for loving us and for praying for us. Tell everyone you know to watch life today. I believe they'll get life today and they can share life today, every day. So tell them about it. Thank you so much.
How do I live in a situation like that that's not what I thought it was going to be and still honor God? Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.